If you will be turning to the 100th Psalm, we'll be reading these five verses in just a few moments. Psalm 100 has been called a classic. There are classic cars, classic soft drinks, classic hamburgers, classic sporting events. Psalm 100 is a classic Thanksgiving psalm. Many of us remember learning it even in public grade school. In practical use, the Israelites would have used the psalm as they were approaching the temple. It was a procession psalm. The first two verses and the first line of the third verse, as we have it printed, would have been sung by a soloist or a choir. The rest of the third verse would have then been a response by the people. The next verse would have shifted back to that leader or choir to once again call people to an attitude of prayer and thanks. Following that, the people would have responded with full voice. Stand with me as I read from Psalm 100. Shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the reminders that you will give us through this psalm offered by your ancient people many years ago and and all the more applicable to us today. Help us as we use these words from your word to express our thanks and our praise to you. In the name of our blessed Lord Jesus, amen. Thank you and be seated. It's not uncommon at all to compile wish lists at Christmas and resolution lists at New Year's, but there's another list that we tend to forget, and that is a Thanksgiving Day list for all the things for which we're grateful Some might relate to this. One person said, I'm grateful for automatic dishwashers that get us out of the kitchen before the crowd returns for those after-dinner snacks. One wife said, I'm grateful for husbands who attack those small repair jobs around the house because they often often make the job big enough to then call a professional. I'm grateful for children who put away their things and clean up after themselves. They are such a joy, you hate to see them go home to their own parents. (laughs) I'm grateful for smoke alarms because they let you know when the turkey is done. (laughs) In compiling our list, many of us would certainly include those major things like life and health and family and friends in our country. I am thankful today for my salvation and for being a part of such a loving and caring church family. For more than five months now, you have affirmed me and supported me and encouraged me, and I am most grateful for that. Every day, I am thankful for the grace and the mercy that I experience from my loving God. Most of us would attest to the fact that God pours out his blessings on us, and we have much from him for which to be thankful. Your homework today is this. It's very simple, and you had to see this one coming. Between now and Thursday, 
Go to your quiet place and draw up your things for which you are thankful to God. It may have two or three. It may have five things. It may have 25. That's entirely up to you. Draw up your list and then get down on your knees and humble yourselves before God and thank him for those blessings. Thanksgiving Day is a distinctive holiday in that it doesn't commemorate a battle, a patriotic event, or anyone's birthday. It's simply a day to express our nation's thanks to our nation's God. Israel was a nation that had known God's provision and blessing and guidance and care, and they used Psalm 100 as a major expression of thanksgiving. We are also a nation that has experienced God's abundant blessings. First Baptist Church has much for which to be thankful. Today we use Psalm 100 to help us express our thanks. Number one in your outline, shout for joy to the Lord all the earth. The very first word in the first verse comes from the Hebrew word ruah, which means to shout with triumph. The people were being called not only to just raise their voices and celebrate God's goodness, but to celebrate both the figurative and the literative victories and, and triumphs that God had brought to them. We too can claim the meaning of that verse today as God gives us the victory through our salvation, through triumphing over sin and eternal death and the victories in this life as well. Psalm 100 was used by those worshipers centuries ago, and it extends itself to us today. Notice how the first verse says, all the earth. And then if you skip to the very last verse, it says, to all generations, without question. Psalm 100 is calling for us today to celebrate the joy that we have because of the victory found in what God has done for us and continues to do for us every day. Israel needed to be reminded. Psalm 100 was for them a reminder of when their forefathers had entered their promised land and settled into warm homes and found plenty to eat because of the bounty of the land. Our pilgrim fathers also gathered in their promised land, the land that they believed God had led them to from the wilderness of their past there were lean years to experience, but they gathered and they expressed thanks to God because of the victory he had given them. Today, we too have much for which to be grateful, not the least of which is the fact that God has brought us out of the wilderness of sin and has given us victory through Jesus Christ. Never lose sight of that. Never take it for granted. Rather than being bound by sin, we can know victory and triumph because of the one who said, I am the truth, and the truth will set you free. The Bible tells us of a little boy who shared his lunch to help Jesus feed 5,000 people. Let me tell you another story. It's not in the Bible. It's fiction. But imagine with me. This same little boy, now three years older, working in his father's carpentry shop. His parents insist that he help them because they have just received 
a rush order to build three crosses. The crosses are completed, delivered, and a few days later, the boy comes home, weeping. He says, I went to the market today and I saw Jesus carrying a cross, and it was mine. His parents insisted, no, son, other people in Jerusalem build crosses. That, that might not have been your cross. And the boy said, yes, it was. When you weren't looking, I carved my name on the cross that I was making. Jesus stumbled right in front of me, and I saw my name on his cross. My name was on his cross. And so was yours. That's why the prophet Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions. That's why the apostle Peter said he himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. Whatever else you do this week, preparing for and observing Thanksgiving, you must take the time to thank God for your salvation given to you through his son and our blessed savior, Jesus. It's sad that the United States and Canada and the Philippines are the only nations that celebrate a Thanksgiving day. How our world would change if more peoples and cultures and nations recognize the joy and the blessing and the victory that God provides for all mankind. Our thanksgiving is determined at least in part by how much we have materially. But no sooner is that dinnerware put away than many begin to engage in what has become the largest sales event of the year. In fact, you know as well as I do that Black Friday is not just the day after Thanksgiving anymore. Black Friday has been being observed for several days now, weeks even. I understand. The retail industry is just that. It's business and business needs to make a profit. But once again, I would remind us of the setting of our nation's first Thanksgiving. The pilgrims were thankful even in great adversity. They had no homes except what they could fashion themselves and that was without chainsaws and cement mixers and building supply companies delivering everything they needed. They had no government agencies, no FEMA to help them. They had no means of transportation except their legs. They had no grocery stores. Their food came from the land and the forest and the sea, and they had to grow it or capture it themselves. They had no money, no place to spend it if they did. They had no amusements, no places for holiday decorations. They had no communication with loved ones back home. They had no, no social security or welfare. They had... No doctor's offices or hospitals to go when they were sick or injured. And yet, they set aside a day to say to God how very thankful they were. And I think that's because they understood the meaning of our first verse in Psalm 100 today. They shouted their thanks to God. When John Wesley was a student at Oxford, and before he became a Christian, he and some fellow students were teasing the janitor at the school. 
Noticing his shabby clothes on a cold day, John Wesley said, you need to change your coat. The janitor replied, this is the only coat I have, and I thank God for it. Next, Wesley said, why don't you just go home and eat supper then? The answer was, all I will have is a glass of water tonight, and I will thank God for it. Wesley knew that the man stayed in a small room on the campus. And so he asked, well, what will you do if you get locked outside the gate? The man said, I will thank God for dry stones to lie on. Wesley and the others laughed. And then Wesley said, you thank God when you have nothing to wear, nothing to eat, nothing to lie on. What else do you thank him for? The old janitor said this, I thank him for the life he has given me a heart to love him and a desire to serve him. That is shouting your thanks to God. Let me give you a more recent illustration. Just about a year ago, just before Thanksgiving last year, Elisa and I were in line at the pharmacy counter of our drugstore. And I heard a voice behind me say, I don't mean to offend you. I turned around and there was an elderly lady standing behind a walker with a seat and a little storage box under that seat. And she was holding a quart jar of applesauce. She said, I just walked over from the grocery store across the street and I feel my blood sugar dropping. And this is all I have. And so I'm just going to have to eat it out of the jar. And I don't mean to offend you. Elisa said, let me go get a spoon for you. She said, I can't afford that. Elisa was back in just a matter of seconds with a box of plastic spoons. And I opened that jar of applesauce for her and handed it to her. She closed her eyes, bowed her head, and said a prayer of thanks. Thank you, Lord, for the food I am about to receive and for all your many blessings. In the name of Jesus, amen. She lifted the lid. And we discovered that the lid had not been sealed properly or something had happened in transit. I don't know, but the applesauce was contaminated. It was tainted badly. But Lisa was back in just a few moments with a package of the little serving size applesauce containers. Once again, she said, I can't afford that. This time it was Elisa who said, it's all right, we're getting this for you. She said, I don't even know how to open it. Elisa tore off that little squirt top for her and handed it to her. And once again, she bowed her head and closed her eyes and said, thank you, Lord, for the food I'm about to receive and for all your many blessings. In the name of Jesus, amen. She may have been whispering the same prayer she had used hundreds, if not thousands of times, but let me tell you something. Her life was shouting praise to God. That is living a victorious life in Jesus Christ, no matter what the circumstance. Thank God for all that you have. Hear the psalmist say today, live a life that shouts praise to God. Number two in your outlines, verse two says, worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Hear 
the word worship is the Hebrew word abod, which means to serve God. In fact, some of your translations, instead of worship, some of your translations will say, serve the Lord with gladness. The Bible teaches us that when we feed the hungry, when we clothe the needy, when we do the work of the Lord, we are serving him. And Jesus told us as well, Matthew 25, inasmuch as you have done it to one of the least of these, you have done it unto me. And our Psalms tells us that we are to do it with gladness. We sing a chorus that says, there's joy in the presence of the Lord. Do you see the connection? We know that the biblical concept of joy is not just that kind of happiness that's dependent on external circumstances. Mere happiness is just temporary. But the joy that God brings to us is based on our having a relationship with Him. And not just on Sunday, but every day of the week, every moment of the day. That relationship manifests itself in worship and in service throughout the week. So that then when we come together in these corporate settings as we have now, it is an outgrowth of our worship and our service during the week. Hear the psalmist say, find your joy in serving God. Number three. Verse three says, know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us. We are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There are three thoughts here. First of all, know God personally. We understand how the use of the word know in the Old Testament very often refers to a deep, personal, even intimate relationship. That's what the worship leader is calling for the people to experience. Know God personally. Know Him deeply. Know Him from the depths of your being, not casually, not from a distance. Don't just know about Him. Seek to know God personally. That would be my prayer for First Baptist Church. Come to know God in a close, personal way. The next point in this third verse is this. It is He who made us. And a phrase that's left out of some of your translations is, and not we ourselves. God has made us and not we ourselves. We need to be reminded of that. Because all too many people adore themselves. They're in a loving relationship with themselves. You've heard the expression, I'm a self-made man. I worked hard to get where I am. I did it all by myself. However many sincere people believe that, there is no such thing. And it's as if the psalmist is saying to us today, you need to understand and understand clearly it is God who made us. The psalmist believed in a sovereign God and so must we. The third point in this third verse may well be the most important. We are not the shepherd. We're the sheep. The verse says, we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. There's a good reason that this illustration would have been given. Just as the psalm reminds us that it's God who made us, we also need to be reminded that we are the sheep and not the shepherd. And he's reminding of this because we don't want to be the sheep. 
We want to be the shepherd. We want to be in control. And it's the very same false idea of that self-made man. There are people today who have a fundamental problem with thanksgiving and all the emphasis on giving God thanks. They're the ones who say, I'm the one who did it. I'm the one who made this money. I'm the one who built this business. I'm the one who takes care of my family. I'm the one who calls the shots in my life. I am in control. And the psalmist is saying, no, you're not. You're the sheep. We don't want to be the sheep. It's no fun being sheep. But go back to the imagery of the 23rd Psalm. We don't know where the still waters and the green pastures are. When we launch out looking for them on our own, we mess things up, we get lost, we get hurt. And then just as that story that Jesus told in the 15th chapter of Luke, the shepherd goes out looking for us. And he finds us, he picks us up, he soothes us, he loves us, he heals us, and he brings us home. Hear the psalmist say, thank God for being our shepherd. Why? Because he is the one watching out for us. He's the one guarding us, protecting us, providing us because we are his sheep. We belong to him. So the question I would raise for us today is, do you belong to him or do you belong to yourself? You can't have it both ways. Number four, verse four says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. I think for many of us, the most important words in that verse are are thanksgiving and praise. Yes, we get that. We've already said much about it, but could it be? that the psalmist is also calling our attention to two other words, the gates and the courts. The psalmist could have said, always be thankful. That would be applicable. The psalmist could have said, praise God, even in your homes. Certainly worth hearing. Both phrases would have been important to us to hear. But I think there's a reason that he particularly used the words gates and courts. Here, the worship leader is simply calling for us once again to come to God. You see, the idea of the gates and the courts was that these were the places where people went to conduct business and for important meetings in ancient times. For us, it would be like going to City Hall or the county courthouse to conduct important business. Here, the psalmist say, this is important. This is like business. This is real. It's time to do business with God. Come to God. You may be busy with things in your life. Even good things calling for your time and your attention and your energy. But the psalmist is saying, you must do this. It's important. Come to God. Come to the gates. Come with your thanksgiving. Come to the courts. Come with your praise. Why is it so important that we're called to express our thanks and our praise to God because who He is and all He has done and all that He continues to do for us. And that brings us to number five in your outlines. For the Lord is good. His love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. He calls for us. 
to bring our thanks and praise to Him because He alone is good. Jesus said in Mark 10, 18, there's no one good but the Father. He calls us to bring our praise to Him because His love endures forever. Psalm 136 uses that phrase 25 times. Do you think it might be important? We are to give Him our thanks and praise because His faithfulness continues forever. Lamentation 23 reminds us that His mercies never end. They are new every morning. Do you see where the emphasis is and where it has been all along? Verse 1, who's the source of our joy worth shouting about? The Lord. Verse 2, who are we to gladly serve? The Lord. Verse 3, who are we to come to know deeply and personally? The Lord. Verse 4, whose gates and courts do we come to? To whom do we give thanks? Whose name is to be praised? The Lord. Verse 5, who is good? Whose love endures? Whose faithfulness is forever? The Lord. Hear the psalmist saying today, the basis of our thanksgiving is the Lord. Not we ourselves, not what we have done, not what we have overcome, not where we think we have brought ourselves from. The basis of our thanksgiving is the Lord. A medical missionary served in an area in Asia where there was an abnormal rate of progressive blindness. Babies were born with healthy vision, but there was something in their environment that was causing them to lose their vision as they grew older. The environmental was, issue was corrected, but that didn't help the thousands of adults and children where the blindness had already taken its toll. A procedure was developed that would arrest this progressive blindness. And so people came to this missionary doctor and he operated on them. And their sight was restored and not just temporarily. They went away knowing that they would be able to see for the rest of their lives. The missionary observed that they never said thank you. He found out later that this was because they simply didn't have words or expressions in their language to match that phrase that we use in English. Instead, he kept hearing another repeated phrase. And when he asked for the translation, he was told that what they were saying was, I will tell your name. Wherever they went, they would tell the name of the one who had cured their blindness. They had received something so precious that they would be sure to tell the name of the one who had blessed their lives. May we enjoy this Thanksgiving and with it the times to be with family, to enjoy the abundance of food, and to reflect on our many blessings. May we remember throughout all the days of the year, not just this week, to tell the name of the one who has given us these blessings. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for these so very important reminders today of remembering where our blessings come from. How we thank you, Father, for blessings beyond number. 
And may we remember today and this week and every day to always bring you our thanks. And with that, to tell others the name of the one who has blessed our life so richly. Thank you for your presence with us this morning. Continue to bless us as we seek your will and your way for our lives. As we go from here, may others see Jesus in us. It is in his name that we pray. Amen. Once again, we come to a time of commitment at the close of our service, and this is your opportunity to respond in any way that God might be touching your life. It might be regarding your relationship with him, with this church. There may be something that you just need to to talk to God about. You can do that right where you stand. You can come here to the front and kneel. You may want to allow me the privilege of praying with you. Whatever way that God might be touching you, would you respond? Stand as we sing.